get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and let's talk about racing on the rocks. How you doing, Dan? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. I want to I want to say thank you. Uh, for those who don't know, I want to welcome you to the inaugural podcast of Racing on the Rocks. Uh, this is something I've wanted to do for a while, and uh, I'm really, really happy to have Dan here with me today. And uh, the most important thing is you, Dan, today. So uh, I want to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, where are you based out of? Man, I appreciate that. Um, we're actually based out of a small town called Alexander City. It's in central Alabama. How far um, is how far is that from uh, you know like Huntsville? We're about three hours from Huntsville. Okay, okay. It's gonna be south of Huntsville. We're actually in another hour, kind of southeast from Birmingham, Alabama. Okay, I gotcha, gotcha. So you know, just relative to the race area, um, do you find yourself like commuting for a lot of races, a pretty good distance? Um, pretty well. Uh, as far as you know, it seems like this year, the the series that we run, a majority of them are in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as I am compared to other drivers, I feel like we're kind of right there in the middle of the pack to where that most of our racers, uh, or racers, races are, um, you know, the, the eight to ten hour driving range. Woo! Uh, That's you've a got distance. Drivers uh, like Jonathan Shepard. Uh, those guys, when they, they jump in the vehicle, it's like 10 hours. That's know, crazy. These events. And then you've got, um, you know, you've got so many other drivers that are out of Mississippi. And then, um, you know, Florida, you know, there's actually a couple down that way that, that jump in the car and they're, they're driving 10, 12 hours. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. But before we start talking about the races for this year and, and, and the race league and what you have in mind, um, I want to talk about you and how you got your start in the off-road world. Um, you know, did you start by trail riding or did you just start straight up racing straight from the get-go? When I was younger, we, we started out uh, BMX racing. Oh, so, cool. So that's actually been in my blood and then uh, things progressed. We, we got four-wheelers and did trail riding growing up. And then, you know, you always had that little bit of racing in your blood. So when it came time to, um, you know, ride trails, you know, we never were really competitive riding trails. It was always, you know, let's go check this out or let's go check that out. Yeah. But Did we you? Were, go ahead. As far as the racing end of it, um, we we wound up with a, a Rhino, um it was actually built as a race rhino and we actually got that just to use for a trail rig and we were at Chocolaco mountain riding one weekend and uh, they were having a side-by-side uh, -side race and actually joey beck was was putting it on so we signed up for that and uh, it's it's been all uh, you know that was the demise right there you know? <laughs> yeah i'm sure I'm, I'm i'm sure it starts there so what was what was racing in a rhino like because that was actually before I even got into the side-by-side -side world. I was still building full-size Jeeps. Right. Um, we, we've actually played around with, with Jeep stuff like that. But then uh, 
actually my first side by side was a rhino and um we used it to trail ride and then uh saw well you know everybody's getting razors so we we got a razor and started playing around with that and uh, you know that thing was just one problem after another um the razor was well just just the the lemon of the razor that i bought it second hand it, it had already had the goodie gotten out of it yeah yeah was it an 800 it was it was a, a 50 inch and nice um, then you know i ran across a, the rhino i was like well you know I'll, I'll give the rhino a shot because i'd already had a yamaha product yeah uh, but uh, you know i went ahead and and raced that got a a ton of looks just because we were the only rhino racing with uh, razors so did but, you did you have it like caged up and axles and everything it was it, it was actually uh, i bought it from a gentleman uh, that w was from alabama and uh, he had already put in the long travel suspension on it um he had done some cage work to it so um you know, it, it wasn't like we were out there running just a factory rhino. It, it had a good bit of work done to it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as far as racing it compared to a razor or stuff like that, you know, I, I didn't come in last, but I was in the back. <laughs> back. I was tickled. But I was up against, uh, that was right around when Polaris released the 1000. Oh, really? Wow. So did you ever have a 900 or did you just totally skip the 900 gap? Um, as far as the factory production uh, unit, we did not have a 900. The first Razor Bouncer that I got my hands on uh, was was built by Austin Pruitt, and it was one of his first buggies, and it was based off of a 900 XP uh, Jagged X four-seater. So when you went to the Rhino, you know, and you said it's about the time the 1000s came out, did you go to the Rhino straight to that Pruitt's uh, 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 buggy? It it was shortly after that, and it was um, it was kind of in the back of my head. It's like, oh, I've already gotten bitten by the racing bug. Yeah. So I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do, and we've always uh, had friends that had dune buggies, stuff like that, and I've always loved climbing hills and um, just playing around woods course racing and stuff like that. So um, it, it kind of made sense to transition in, into that and um, there's kind of a old saying that uh, you, you can buy built stuff cheaper yeah. than you build it yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. I've uh, I've taken advantage of that before with my Razor buggy. Oh yeah. So Which, uh, go ahead. Oh you go ahead. Okay. Um, so when you when you switched over from the Rhino to the Razor buggy I would argue that you know 95% of people probably more have never been in a razor buggy or been in something that's totally custom like that. Uh, when you swapped, obviously, the Rhino being a completely different animal versus a razor buggy, uh, what were your thoughts and, and, and how would you describe, you know, seat time in a razor buggy versus a full body? The first thing that you're going to notice is is your, you feel a little bit more safe. I would agree. <laughs> um. You, you've got the, the cages just built all around you. Um, you're not worried about uh, the structural integrity of, of another machine. You know, you, you've got something that was actually built to do what 
you're wanting to do with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, did you get this? Did you get the razor buggy, and it was still in good condition? Um, when I got it, it um, that buggy had uh, it had it had a rough life. Um, a lot of people <laughs> are familiar with the buggy. Um, actually, Austin Pruitt built it. Uh, Timmy Cameron raced it a little bit. Uh, Matt Brinker raced it a little bit, and then I, that's when I got my hands on it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So I would imagine, you know, any one of those drivers having a chance to take a rip at it, it uh, it definitely had seen better days. Right, and I'm I'm the uh, you know type of person I, I could probably tear up a steel anvil with a rubber mallet. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The abuse of those guys that you know it'd be a piece of cake for me. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Um, we just had transmission issues out of it, and um, I, I believe Timmy may have had a, a transmission failure with it, and I think Matt did as well. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of went into it just uh, kind of blind, uh, just got it and, and ran it as is, and it performed flawlessly um, the first few races. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, had a drive shaft failure, and then after that I, I went with a – a KB3 drive shaft, and then uh, you know that got rid of all my drive shaft failures, and then I started having transmission issues again with it. Started breaking the output shafts on the transmissions. Yeah. So we decided to, well, you know, everybody's going with with 1,000 or turbo transmission swaps. So that's when I decided to see about putting a, a turbo transmission in it. And then uh, things didn't work out with that, so I was like, well, it may be better just to go ahead and, and put the turbo engine in with yeah. the turbo mission, and it helped make the process a little bit more seamless. So yeah. that's the went, and we, we still had some issues with it. Um, we signed up to run the Pro Rock last season, um, worked really hard on it, missed a couple of races, so we get to uh, Busted Knuckle Park to to actually get some seat time in it and run a race. Yeah. We pulled out of the trailer, going to the race hill, and the engine locked up. Oh. So That's uh, awful. Yeah, it was just one of those, and I'm, I'm the type of person that if something's meant to be, it's meant to be, and if it's not, don't force it. Yeah, absolutely. So I just looked at it as, you know, that wasn't meant for us to, to race that, that season, and, um, you know, had a lot of downtime with the buggy. Uh, wound up getting a... Uh, Full body razor from a, a really good friend and sponsor of mine, um, Ground Pounder Off Road, Eric Galloway, and those guys came in and they they kind of saved my season last year by uh, giving me the rental to to run this season this past season. Yeah, I'm looking at your Instagram and I see pictures of that. But before we move on to the full body, um, I, I want to bring up something that that I feel like I hear all the time, and, and I actually experienced myself. Um, do you feel like rigs sometimes? You know, they just fight you tooth and nail. I don't want to use the word curse like I'm superstitious or anything, but uh, do you ever feel like some rigs are just destined to fight you its entire life until you give up on it? And, you know, at what point, it sounds like you guys, you know, continued to try and fix it and continued to try and deal with the issue, but, you know, at at what point do you say, like, okay, this rig just doesn't work, it's not going to work, and, you know, do you sell it? Do you part it? What do you do? We got to that exact point with that rig 
but I had already had so much blood, sweat, and tears invested in it, and mm-hmm. it was a great relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that I got the engine from, uh, Dave Newfield, yeah, UTV Performance, yeah, he is a wizard when it comes to UTVs and, and side by sides. So I, I called him up, and uh, you know, I, I just kind of told him what it what had happened, and I, you know, the first thing I told him is. You know, I'm not expecting you to make good on this. Mm-hmm. I just personally want to know what the failure was. Yeah. So uh, we were probably be about three hours away from Atlanta, which is where Dave is, is stationed at up. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, just bring it over. We'll look at it and, and see what's going on with it. Uh, took it to him, and he noticed a lot of little things right off that needed to be done to mm-hmm. the buggy. Um, what are little things that need to be done? Like, what is a what is a good eye see? Um, he he looked at the wiring issues that it had, um, that it just had had kind of, um, you know, pretty much over time been affected by you know the by the time I got my hands on this buggy, it was already about five years old. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, a five-year-old buggy is going to have five-year-old problems. Like, you know, there's going to be little issues yeah. like wiring and uh, play in, you know, some of the me- mechanical parts of the, of the buggy. Yeah. But, so do you think that, you know, everybody that's listening probably is just, you know, goes out and rides trails. Not not a lot of people race, but, you know, if I have a razor that's seven years old and, uh, you know, I start seeing these things, you know, it, I'm hearing more and more that, wiring harnesses you know can go bad and uh you know things like that can happen is that something that you guys regularly check for on your rigs every time we try to to get behind the wheel uh, personally i try to do somewhat similar to a pre-trip inspection Mm -hmm. you know you want to do like a nut and bolt check and kind of look for mechanical issues that could possibly happen while you're you know going down the trail yeah you know, something that, uh, well, you know, the battery's not charging right or something like that. You know, you want to kind of look further into that to see what's going on uh, other than just kind of turning a, a blind eye to stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you ever you ever just seen something and then uh, thought to yourself, you know, it'll probably be all right, or you guys are lining up for a race and you're like, man, I hope that repair worked, or I know that this was a little loose, but I hope it holds. Oh, absolutely. There's uh, <laughs> a lot of the, uh, the guys that uh, race with us, you know, they already bring the tool bags to the hills and yeah. parts. And I'm, I would not be ashamed to say 100% of the guys that, that race or trail ride are going to have duct tape and zippy ties in their kit. <laughs> I mean, I, I've got both in mind. So uh, that's pretty good, but anyways, back to uh, back to your full body. So the the full body you raced in the was it the 2018 se- season? Uh, that was a rental, right? It started out. Um, Eric and Debbie Galloway. I met them at the end of I believe it was 2017. We were running a, a straight up race at Hawks Pride. Mm-hmm. And um, that was was one of the first times I'd raced the buggy, and, and we uh, befriended them, and and um, 
you know, they were running the uh, Woods Course races. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just kind of kind of there to support one another. So uh, when, when my engine blew up this past season, um, he was the first to call me. You know, he's like, you know, I've got the full body. If, if you need it, just let me know. Um, so I, I, you know, was kind of blown away that yeah. he just his, his new razor to me. Yeah, that's amazing. And I had a race at, actually at Dirty Turtle. He's like, well, just come on up to, to Dirty Turtle and then you can, can finish the season in the full body. Ooh. So I, we raced Dirty Turtle and uh, we were the first one to, to actually climb well, actually, we got chosen to go first. Mm-hmm. Did a, a pretty good, solid pass, but ended up flipping right at the top of the hill. Ooh. That was probably the closest to the podium that I'd, I'd been then, so that would that got a little bit of taste to that. Yeah. Uh, so it, you know, it, then you know, it's like that racing bug gets to going, and uh, it's like you you kind of get the uh, the glory of. of coming that close to the podium so it's like a, an addiction that you just want to keep chasing yeah but actually uh, you know i ran that that race with the full body and then uh i, I called him and i told him i said man i'm just i'm not going to just beat on your rig you know would you be interested <laughs> in just selling me the the full body uh-huh. well he said well let you know let me think it over and uh you know, he called me back a, a couple of days later, and then we hashed out a deal on it. Okay, so, cool, cool. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's pretty insane to me that uh, that that someone would would let you or I'll just tell you this: I don't know of a racer that I would lend my personal rig to because I know it'll probably come back in a thousand pieces. And you know, it's kind of one of those things when it uh, when it when it ends in a thousand pieces, sometimes it never goes back exactly how you want it. Right. So that's Which pretty I- cool. You know, like I said, they're they're super good people, which he he knew that I was going to take care of it the best I could, and if I broke anything, you know, I would definitely have fixed it. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know that I was the same way going into that. It's like, man, why in the world would anybody want to lend <laughs> me something to just thrash on? <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, it's something that is pretty common in in the racing industry. You you'll see a lot of the guys uh, use rentals nowadays. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Either that, or I see that. Uh, individuals will bring multiple razors to the race, and uh, that alone blows my mind too. But b- before we go into anything else about the race season, um, so after you got the, after you guys got the uh, the razor, the full body, um, it's a turbo, correct? It is. Okay. After you guys got the turbo, um, I see that you guys. It looks like you bobbed the bed and put a cage on it. What else did you guys do to this vehicle? Um. Actually, um, when I got the, the razor from uh, Ground Pounder, he had actually done the bed delete and built the cage for it. So, um, will, you, will you tell our listeners, what's the benefit of a bed delete? And basically, for, for those not looking at the pictures, uh, if you've ever seen a razor with the taillights cut off and the rear fenders pulled in just a little bit, kind of like narrowing the body, uh, it's, it's something that's pretty common here in the South, and normally people will... Uh, integrate the cage into it um, but you know on the con side of it you lose your rear tire coverage and your engine is a little bit more exposed and you lose a little bit of your bed so what is the benefit of that um personally 
my favorite is the ease of working on the engine. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything is exposed, but, you know, you're able to uh, get in there. If you, you have a clutch failure, you're able to, to get there and get the cover off a little bit easier, um, changing spark plugs, stuff like that. Yeah, that's you, true. You know, the, the bed, but um, I'm not really sure who coined the phrase bed delete or mm-hmm. what the, the intent originally was. Um, but the reason that we did a bed delete on my first razor was just because everything was busted. The plastics were broken and, you know, there was really no way to, to stitch it back without it looking like a sore thumb. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of these guys, they'll go ahead and, and just buy a new rig and then they'll take the bed off because they know that that's a a good resale item and it's going to get busted anyway. So they go ahead and take it off and, and do the bed delete yeah that's true it is i hadn't thought about the actual resale of everything because i'm sure you could get some some good cash for that but i mean even so you know if you see a razor going down the trail and it's got a bed delete i feel like every time i do a double take because you know although it may not be super practical um it is super cool looking and it really can set your razor apart right so go ahead it definitely gets a lot of looks especially the one of the the first races were a little bit further north, um, so a lot of the guys weren't really familiar with with the way that was. You know, most of these guys were running woods course races, and, mm-hmm. and they weren't doing the bed delete. Yeah, and something for our listeners who aren't based in the southeast, um, a lot of times, you know, out west and midwest, and if you do any, any extensive trail riding like at Windrock, Brimstone, here in Tennessee, um, you want to have that bed so that you can carry gear, but... Uh, in, in the in the rock racing series in the south, um, pretty much all of the parks are oriented in a way where you're just a walking distance from your truck, which ideally your truck has spare parts or whatever, um, tools, whatever you would need to, to make a repair, whatever you'd need to have on the trail. Um, so, you know, space for the bed, places to carry things, it's really not an issue uh, in the southeast just because, like I said, you know, if you go down and blow a flat or, you know, you break an axle and you're not really able to move, it's really not that big of a deal, uh, you know, if you can't get your razor off the trail, um, to just take 10 or 15 minutes and walk back to your truck and then go get your part and bring all the tools back as well. Um, so that's something I, uh, I commonly see online is a lot of the guys out west think it's kind of silly, but it definitely serves a purpose. And, uh, you know, I can tell you on multiples of my buggies, I've just smashed those taillights up. So... Uh, I should have done the bed delete rather than trying to make it work and re- refurb everything. Right. But, uh, so you raced that full body. How many races did you actually have that in? Oh, I, I pretty much ran the, the whole season with uh, SRS and Pro Rock, which is, is Pro Rock, Pro UTV. Yeah. So what's the, uh, you know, for those for those listening um, who aren't as familiar, what are the two differences between those those series and, you know, uh, what do they have to offer that makes them unique? It, hmm, I mean, it, both the, both the series are such great series, it's, that's a really difficult question. Yeah, um, yeah. I know the uh, the Pro Rock this year is actually offering a survival race, are they not? They are, and they, they toyed around with it some last year. Yeah. Um, they did uh, a survival race. 
um, he wasn't going to do it every every uh, at every event. You know, it was one of those things that he just wanted to kind of try it out and see how it went. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joey had had a pretty good turnout with the you know the pro rock guys. Um, he actually wanted to do something for the UTVs. Uh, he wanted to do something for the big bouncers. And then uh, he wanted to make it also to where uh, the average Joe with a, a Jeep Cherokee with some lockers, you know, wanted to participate, mm-hmm. you know, able to have a class as well. Yeah. But, you know, they, they kind of did that last year and it picked up and he's, he's going to continue doing that as uh, well as the, the hill climb and bounty stuff. And, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of fun for the whole family yeah absolutely i know as a fan it's really easy to go watch the hill climbs because it's in a centralized location you know uh, as a fan i just pull my chair up drink some beer and watch these guys go up the hill flip down and you know it's a really good entertaining show but i think that the you know competitiveness and in the endurance racing uh might even beat the hill climbing because you get to see these guys go out there on the course whether it's short course or a woods course and battle head to head, and that's something that uh, really the East in the side by side realm has never experienced before. So, right. So I think it's a really cool thing that they're adding. Um, so you finished out the season in the full body. Did you, by chance, uh, you know, do you have any parts that you recommend for people in full body? Because you know, for those again who haven't seen the hills that they climb in the Southern Rock Racing Series or Pro UTV. These hills are no joke. They're straight up as straight up can be, and uh, it takes a very serious machine and a very skilled driver to make it up the hills. Um, so parts-wise, before we talk about your driving ability, um, parts-wise, how did you hold your machine together? What do you recommend? Um, well, whether you're racing or, um, or just trail riding, the first thing I recommend is you know a cage, depending on what what you're going to be doing. Um, you know, a lot of people were bashing the machines because, oh, well, so-and-so rolled his machine over last Saturday riding and it, it totaled his machine. Mm-hmm. Well, these machines aren't designed to barrel roll down a hill and keep riding that same night. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they designed these machines to where if you ever were in a position that would roll over that cage would save your life and which you know they they've done but in order for that part of the machine to work everybody needs to understand it don't take five seconds to put a harness on yeah and i've actually lost close friends and i'm sure everybody knows somebody that has lost their life in one of these machines or knows somebody that personally knows somebody just for the lack of not wearing a safety harness. Yeah, that's something that uh, I've brought up in, in previously recorded podcasts over and over again. Um, you know, however you want to cut it, however you want to look at it, there's li- there's there's really no reason at all you shouldn't have a, some kind of safety harness or at least well wear the stock seatbelt. Uh, you know, you're one misstep, one missteer from being over on your side and uh, you know, at the very worst, you end up with a with a head injury, or you know, you lose your life, and it's it can happen that fast and that quick. And um, I see guys riding with their seatbelts off during trail rides, and 
all that and, and it's just it's it's just not worth it it's I just don't understand and all of my listeners who are very smart people and uh, very wise past their years know that uh, you know you should always have your always have your seatbelt on if that thing's in drive you should you should be buckled up right and and I, I can't I, I'm, I know it sounds silly well you know we're just gonna back the machine off the trailer or we're gonna just load up um, I've seen several accidents in the parking lots. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, unfortunately, I think that there was a bouncer accident a few years ago in a parking lot that resulted in a, in a young woman's life. Right. So uh, I hate to hear that, but uh, absolutely something that's worth mentioning on every podcast. Um, but but back to what you were saying, do you have anyone that you recommend uh, for cages? Um, Austin Dunn with, with Gatekeeper. Um, is a, a super good guy. Uh, I met him at the, I believe it was the Race to Riches this past year. Um, I actually, my first run, uh, broke a drive shaft, and we were parked right behind those guys, and, and he he was the first to come over, check, see if we needed anything. Yeah. And, um, you know, with, with him just being right there, you know, I, he let me borrow his jack, and, um, I went up and returned his jack and started looking at the cages that he was building. Mm -hmm. It it looks like every one of his cages are built with a machine. That's amazing. Yeah. That's precise. They are, um, you know, and he's, he's just a good, uh, good guy to do business with. Um, he's, uh, usually at every race that's, that's within the Southeast. He, he tries to get out to a lot of the events. Um, you know he's he's on social media. You know he's he's a good guy to probably look at as as far as cage building goes. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what about tires and wheels? What do you like to run? Um, this year we're going to do a variation of, of tires and wheels. Um, I've always kind of been brand loyal to race lines. Yeah. Uh, I've had one failure with a race line, but uh, Bryant Dunnigan with Rock Life Off Road, uh, he he helped me out with it got me a new one back within just a matter of days um so they, they've been pretty good uh as far as tire goes we've always just kind of ran a, a bighorn or the maxis carnivores yeah we a set of the uh rt warriors from super atv we're going to give a go uh, at some point this season so uh do you, do you have those tires in your possession already i actually do um but uh you know, just hadn't just hadn't gotten a chance to to run them yet. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to hear about those because, uh, you know, I, I've definitely seen some of the benefits. I saw Wesley Gatlin at AOP um, climb a monster hill, uh, and he was like one of the first ones to have those tires and run them. And uh, at the same time, I think he crossed the finish line with with a uh, with a flat. And uh, you know, I personally am super curious about those tires because I felt them, and the sticky compound is so soft. It is crazy. It is just absolutely crazy. So for anyone uh, looking to give us some pointers, uh, Racing on the Rocks on Instagram, hit me up and tell me about how your Warrior tires are. But um, what about what about axles, driveline? You guys have anyone that uh, that helps you out? Actually, I started out uh, running a set of axles, and uh, it was every time I turned around, I was having an axle failure. Yeah. And um, decided to uh, you know look at what I was spending on axles and then what I, what it actually cost me 
um, you know, I can think of a, a few races just right off the bat to where I had an axle failure and I was probably in, in the top 10 at that point and, and lost position just to uh, an axle failure. But as soon as I, I bit the bullet and went ahead and um, got with uh, the guys at RCV and, uh, you know, the guys out there just uh, kind of took me under their wing and, and answered all the questions I had. Uh, I'd already had a set of RCV axles in my chassis, so, you know, it only made sense to, to go ahead and, and put them in my full body as well. Yeah, absolutely. So where did you end up finishing, uh, you know, at the season all said and done? Uh, how'd you end up doing? Um, I, I don't really know where we stood points-wise because the the style racing we do is, is basically a bounty. Oh, yeah, um, that's right, that's right. So some of the guys don't really keep points. Um, back pretty much the first season that I did did run was a woods course setup that uh, you know we ran with Dustin Robbins. It was a, a little series called Razor Aid. Yeah. Um, we we actually uh, pulled off a, a seventh place overall for the season, and that was my pretty much rookie year driving. Yeah, that's great. That's really really good. Um, so you know. Before we go into this season, and uh, uh, I'm assuming the pictures, you have a new buggy, is that correct? That actually is the chassis buggy that we had problems with. Oh, really? When I took that machine to Dave at Complete UTV Performance, yeah. the first thing he noticed was that the turbo was too close to the driver and passenger's seat it, it kind of came through the firewall yeah and concerned that if i were to ever roll that machine and my arm hit it it would uh you know that they cause a severe burn yeah absolutely you know he he said uh you know i want you to take this thing home and i, I want you to take and extend the the motor mounts back you know three or four inches mm -hmm. uh, to set that back some so um you know i didn't know what i was doing I got home. Uh, I'd actually talked to a couple of different people about uh, doing the work for me. And, you know, it just didn't make sense for a fab shop to tackle that because some of these guys are just super good guys. Mm -hmm. They, you know, the, some of the local shops, you know, these guys can, they can pretty much build you a, a chassis in a matter of hours. Wow. Uh, Tim Meeks with Rocky Hollow uh, is he he'll have those things pumped out in no time. Yeah. But you know him and I talked about it, and there's it's more labor intensive to actually for him to go in and take and cut and move that thing back. So um, you know I'd always played around with you know tube benders, welders, cutters, you mm -hmm. know torches, stuff like that growing up as a kid. And I was yeah. Like well, uh, you know there's nothing to it except for to try it, and if I booger it up you know, somebody else can step in at that point. But uh, we went ahead, and it, it took a lot of late nights to, to cut and stretch that machine. We just basically back-halved it, and I'm thinking there's there's pictures uh, in some social media of the process of that where we'd actually move the engine and transmission back. I, I wound up with about six inches. Um, had a lot of help from Dustin Stubbs 
with uh, Sinister Fabworks. He went ahead and, and cut some stuff for me. Um, Dave was a big help with, with that. Uh, David Maddox, he, he had done a, a, the backplate stuff for us. And, you know, just a, a lot of guys stepped in and, and helped us get that machine ready. Yeah. Uh, it's actually funny. I'm actually, uh, I have Tim lined up for an interview next week. So shout out to Tim. Uh, we're going to get him and talk to him about what he actually does uh, fabricating that stuff. But um, what I want to talk about, and probably one of the most iconic moments of 2018 for uh, for off-roading, was RBD of 2018. Uh, so for those who aren't familiar, um, they had a it, it was a, it was a bounty hill, correct, Dan? Well, yeah, it was... It was a bounty hill, and that, that hill was actually climbed by big buggies um, at one of the, the outlaw races. Okay. And to, go ahead. To, to the date, you know, it was uh, pretty much the RCV came in and, and stepped on board and claimed that to be uh, a UTV bounty hill. Ooh. So I personally wasn't there, and I know that videos and pictures – don't do anything justice in the off-road world. But if you haven't seen it, check out Mad Ram 11. Dan Carter Racing has the pictures. It's everywhere. But you sent your buggy to a different planet. <laughs> you sent it so far up in the sky that I'm sure everyone standing there was just like, what is this guy thinking? So talk to me about it. Like, Had anyone made it up or any gotten close to making it up before you went up there? When we had the driver's meeting, there were probably eight people signed up to run the hill. Um, I believe there were two people or that, that had tried it before I had. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a lot of time looking at that hill. The slope on the hill reminded me a lot of the hill that we ran for the Rush Anniversary Bash with Pro Rock last year. Yeah, I uh, I would imagine that it's pretty serious because, uh, again, for those who haven't seen it, please go Instagram, uh, MadRam11, Facebook for RBD 2018. Um, it is pretty much what looks like what you would imagine is a dried-up waterfall with a little bit of dirt at the bottom. And Dan started a little ways back and just nailed it as hard as he could and just his buggy just shot straight to the moon uh i don't know how high you think it went but it's looking like it's at least three times the length of your razor so you know i'm thinking it's it's well over 20 25 feet you're in the air right clyde bonham was up top uh, he's, he's with the srs and he was he was doing some recording that day as well and um i believe uh, a few of the guys kind of took each one of them's uh, footage and kind of meshed it into one. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you do look at the video, I believe there's some of his footage on, on there from the upper side, but it was a pretty good bit. But um, my intent was uh, to hit it the way I hit the hill at Rush in the full body is just hit it right up the center and hopes that it would propel me to the, the top. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I actually picked the machine up from – from Dave, uh, UTV Performance, 
uh, the week prior, so I didn't get a chance to do have any seat time in it. Yeah. Uh, the engine still had less than an hour on it. Um, so he wasn't happy about the way I broke it in, but yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd I, imagine so. That's uh, that's crazy. Um, so you know, we're, we're looking at this, and and when you say it, just to hit it up the middle, you know, this is a, this is a testament to to a your courage and and just not having any fear, and b there really is something to just sending it straight up the middle and staying in it and being committed. Um, you know, what do you think launched you back off the wall? rather than pushing you a little bit more forward where your front end would have landed on the top of the hill? Um, the, when we um, recentered the, well, we, we actually slid the engine back a little bit. We had to redo the shock towers in the, on the back of the buggy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just didn't have the, the shocks set up to take quite that much of an impact. Um, you know, and, and, to the ones up front, you know, like I said, once I got in that buggy back, it was a whole different machine. Um, you know, we went from pretty much being used to driving that thing as, as a 900 to mm-hmm. putting a turbo in it. And, um, you know, it just, uh, like I said, it was just a totally, completely different machine. So the shock still needed a little bit of setting up and, and adjusting and fine tweaking. But, um, you know, I just feel with the momentum that we had and the, the recoil of the shocks is what kind of pushed us off the, the face of the hill. So when you came back down from space and hit the ground, how does, how did, first off, well, how did it feel being in the air? Did, when, when you're up there, did you know, did, were you like, I've messed up, I've made a huge mistake? Or are you like, huh, this is what this looks like from 25 feet up in the air? Or what, like, What's going through your mind when you're completely straight up and not even close to the ground. Well, the first first thing I felt was, um, you know, I knew that I'd I'd hit it with the speed that I felt like I knew that it was going to take to propel myself to the top. Um, actually, I, I just kind of felt like something was wrong because I I felt like I stayed in the air forever. Yeah, I'm sure. And then, uh, you know, on the way back down, when I knew that. I was kind of hoping that it would kind of just land on the back tires on that top ledge. Mm-hmm. But after it felt like it dropped about 10 foot or so, I knew I, I knew it was going to hurt. But uh, Ground Pounder hooked us up with a containment seat mm-hmm. last year before the the buggy, you know, ever had any issues. And uh, I, I'm now a firm believer in uh, the containment seats. It's uh, actually... Uh, you know, when I hit, um, the first thing I heard Joey Beck yell was hit it again. <laughs> um, I was just excited to know that my welds and, and fabrication skills held up. <laughs> yeah, the that's good. <laughs> it was still intact. So, yeah. uh, you know, when he said hit it again, I, I knew he knew that, that everything would be okay to hit it again. But, um, you know, so we hit it again. But, unfortunately, it did tweak the... Uh, trailing arm just a little bit so it kind of threw the back end around a little bit further than i wanted to so so it rolled us again off the the ledge and then uh, off to the side which actually hurt a little bit more than the first uh, attempt really but uh you know it uh, overall you know I'm, I'm tickled of how the buggy turned out you know just that it did uh, 
you know, tweak that uh, trailing arm just a little bit. Uh, the RCV axles held up perfectly. Yeah, um, I'm, uh, there's a picture on your Instagram where you tore off the trailing arm, and you got a picture of you, you know, 180 degrees in the air, and then uh, your trailing arm's obviously pretty bent bad, and uh, you, you pull that RCV, and it looks like it's in, you know, just needs a, a grease and ready to go. Right, I basically took took the mud out of it and cleaned it up and, and packed it with their, uh, you know, RCV grease, spec grease, put, put that back in there, and uh, we were good to go, That's, so we're going to... Same, same axles this year as well. <laughs> That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So, uh, you know, going, moving on, uh, I saw you at AOP after this race. Um, now that you've had more seat time in the buggy, what corrections have you guys made or what changes have you made or is it just a matter of learning how to drive something that's totally different? Well, I'm used to the, the turbo power from running the, the full body mm -hmm. but it just had been that i was somewhat used to um you know the power of, of the chassis with the 900 uh power plant in it then upgrading to the the, the turbo engine um you know it, it was like night and day plus the having to get used to being in the containment seat is uh, you know more of a problem that that i'm trying to overcome now is is once you're strapped in with arm restraints and uh, the neck device and uh, the containment seat, you know, there's not much wiggle room in there after that. So just trying to get back used to, to all that is pretty much what I'm trying to overcome now. Yeah, um, so when you roll over and you're in that complete system, you know, I, I personally am one of those guys that if I get too restrained or uh, I'm, I'm held down in a weird situation, I, I freak out. And, uh, right. you know... I can't imagine at AOP you were on your side pretty good, and uh, being that locked up, is it is it weird just to be upside down and pretty much unable to move like that? Um, it it is, and it takes a lot of getting used to. But um, you know, for some reason, I feel uh, a lot more safe in that thing being as tight, strapped down, uh, and it is as I would be, you know, compared to the full body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just for our listeners, you know, any, any time that you guys get into a, uh, a situation where, where you would roll or Dan, you're probably better, better advice giver here. You know, if someone ever feels like they're going to roll, uh, in their full body or buggy, um, what's the, what's the first thing you do? You know, what's, what's the, do you, I mean, obviously you try and keep your hands in the vehicle, but like, what do you do to keep yourself safe if you're in a full body? Right. The, the first thing I would tell everybody is obviously, like you said, keep, um, you know, keep your hands on the steering wheel or at least grab, uh, if you if you do have harnesses, grab the the shoulder part of your harnesses. Uh, just keep keep all your limbs inside of the, the cage. Um, that's, that's probably just the biggest thing to think of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so for your plans for this race season this year, um, obviously, you guys are going to race the buggy uh, that you guys got fixed up, and and it's got a turbo power plant in there. Um, do you guys plan on racing uh, both the uh, Southern Rock Racing Series and the Pro UTV, and do all the races? Right. Um, actually, I'm signed up uh, to do the the complete SRS. We actually ran what what they called the Bounty Series last year mm -hmm. with. The RS and it 
it, it kind of uh, the bounty guys had their own schedule compared to uh, the big bouncers and the point series the okay. SR points. Okay. So some of our uh, events were held at the same, same parks, but they were uh, you know weeks apart. Okay. So uh, what their their intent this year is to uh, still run the bounty series, but they're having the bounty events at some of the point series races. Okay. Uh, so we're going to be running, from what I understand, uh, the same hills as the big bouncers. Now, now, I've been there and seen those bouncers. Those bouncers, I feel like, could climb a straight-up brick wall. So do you, as a side-by-side driver... You know, does that uh, does that alarm you, or you know, does that does that how does that make you feel to know that you're going to be racing on the same hills as the bouncers? Um, we've done it a little bit in the past. It's the only thing that, um, you know, in my opinion, sometimes it can help you and sometimes it can hurt you, um, depending on who goes first. Uh, if the big bouncers go first, there there may be a chance that they rut the hill up pretty badly, or uh, you know, create large potholes or move big rocks from one spot to another, mm-hmm. you know, which could, could hurt some of the, the smaller UTV guys. And then on the other hand, um, you know, it, it could help just to the fact where they may fill up some of the, the bigger holes or, or move some of the bigger rocks that would would potentially be in the way for, for the bounty stuff for the UTV guys. Yeah, that's very, very true. So, uh, again, you know, uh, what races, just a rough outline for our listeners, um, you know, if they want to come get some, uh, I see you have Dan Carter Racing uh, koozies. Uh, if they come find you at a race, or yeah, let me ask you this first, uh, what races can they find you at this season? Um, if, if you go to our social media, I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more uh, active on social media this year than I was last year. Sure. Uh, we're pretty much going to be at... Uh, a good bit of the SRS and NRRS races, and then all the Pro Rock races will be at. All right, cool. And uh, since you mentioned all the Pro Rock races, that means you have a race uh, March second, which is actually uh, this weekend, correct? Right. We've uh, we've been stressing out about that. We've still got a little bit of stuff to do uh, with the chassis and uh, the the full body as well. I'm going to be giving my uh, you know, given the, the survival race and a try just to, to help kind of ease the nerves on Saturday morning. So we'll see how we, we stack up against some of those professionals. Have you raced at Dirty Turtle before? I have. That was actually uh, my, my first race in right. The, right. the full. Um, we raced a straight up series a couple of years back. That's right. Um, so, you know, Going into it, Dirty Turtle, how does it compare to, you know, all the other places you're, you're going to race this season? Um, from what I understand, there's been a lot of work done to uh, the park. So it's going to kind of be a, a new layout, I believe. Um, I've seen some of the uh, videos from Busted Knuckle and Mad Ram and Hot Tane that, uh, you know, some of these guys have, have been going to – uh, the park they did the busted shell series last year which um you know was they were doing utv and bouncers mm-hmm. so 
deals have changed a lot since since we were there last. So is there uh, is there any place on the race circuit that you really just you hate to go race? Is it like your least favorite place? Um, there's there's really nowhere that that we just dislike. Uh, my uh, probably probably the just driving is is <laughs> the hate the most. Just, yeah. Uh, you know, we pretty much devote a day uh, as travel day, which is uh, like. Uh, Dirty Turtle will will leave out in the morning um, and head up and try to uh, give everything a good look, see what we're going to be looking at running for Saturday. Man, man, that is that is a that's a lot of commitment. So on the flip side of that, though, do you have a favorite place you like to go run? Um, I, I, I like uh, just anything that's somewhat local. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know we. Like I said, I, I hate getting behind the wheel of a, a truck and driving down the interstate. It's just, uh, it makes for a long trip pulling a, a big gooseneck trailer loaded down. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of good parks uh, that, that are local to us. It's, uh, you know, Stony Lawn's pretty close to us. Hawks Pride's pretty close to us. Um, or there's also a, a little parks called Morris Mountains where, uh, you know, RBD, I believe, originated um so you know we we have a a good bit of, of parks around locally that we like to ride so if you had the because uh, i'm from tennessee and actually haven't made it down to the alabama area to ride um if you had to sum up each park you know like for example um you've been to aop aop is just super rocky it's not a lot of open wide open trails um how would you describe uh the parks that you just told me about um, right off the, the one that kind of sticks out most is going to be Chocolaco. It's, it's kind of similar, in my opinion, to AOP with the, the large rocks, stuff like that. It's, uh, you know, still four-wheel drive Jeep, so to speak, like, uh, you know, just uh, the regular off-road clubs could ride, mm -hmm. go up there with a UTV, uh, have no problem riding, and you know, with a, a big bouncer, you'd have no problem riding. That's probably about as rough as the train that you would, would get. Um, you know, everything else is fairly smooth, and, uh, you know, all the parks have the best of both worlds, like Stony Lonesome. You know, if you're uh, a, a four-wheeler or, or dirt bike guy, you know, they have trails for, for those guys. Or if you're a dune buggy guy, they've got plenty of, of hills for dune buggies and uh, side-by-sides. Um you know, Hawk Pride, you know, it's just a lot of good riding up that way. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty much uh, something for everyone at, at all the parks. Well, that's exciting. Uh, I'll have to uh, I'll have to make it down there uh, this year at least sometime. I know uh, me and my buddies, we typically ride Windrock and Brimstone. And uh, I was going to ask, do you ever do any, like, uh, I'll use like air quotes like adventure uh, adventure riding where you go out and ride a distance uh, rather than doing like the hill killing? Um, we, we do, we, we usually get groups of buddies up and we'll go to, there's a local park to us called Top Trails. Um, you know, that's, it's one of those parks that is still, which they don't offer stuff for, uh, road vehicles or, or bouncers, but it's more or less UTVs for friendly stuff like that. But, uh, 
you know, we all love to get together and, and try to do as much trail riding as possible. But, you know, unfortunately, with, with race season here, you know, we, we hardly do much trail riding now. Yeah. Now, you know, you as someone who's been racing for a long time, uh, I, I see a lot of the bouncer guys, they're kind of, they, they kind of miss the camaraderie and the time that they did get to go trail riding. Is that something that you miss, uh, just getting a chance to go and hang out and enjoy trail riding? Right. It, it just varies from time to time. We, we try to be courteous. Uh, we've got a lot of private land around here that we, we do ride from time to time, but, um, you know, most of it's leased to hunting clubs, stuff like that. So we, we're unable to, to ride certain parts of the year. Gotcha. But, you know, I know for a point there, once when I was having trouble with the chassis and making the transition to the full body, you know, we didn't get to do any trail riding. So it was it was good good to kind of get back in the, the seat and do a little bit of trail riding and get some seat time, stuff like that, just to kind of test some of the parts out and see how everything fared. Yeah, absolutely. So that pretty much wraps up my, my trail riding stuff. And uh, so I've got to ask, and I've been asking all my people I'm interviewing, um, you know, you race in the side-by-side -side league, and there's the bouncer race that, that runs parallel with you. Um, who's your favorite bouncer driver? Oh, man, I, I know a lot of those guys, and they're, all of them's good. It's hard to, to pinpoint, you know, just just who is, is my favorite. Um, there's just too many to, to pick, but, uh, man, I, I'd hate... <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, so we can we can we can gloss over it. Uh, do you have a do you have a group of guys that you like? Um, we're we're pretty much. Uh, it's it's funny that the way the racing family is. I mean, it's it's something that you would have to experience firsthand. I've had uh, you know friends that I've known all my life. And we kind of grew up together, and then you've got the, the racing friends. That's more like family. You, you, you're more. Uh, you know, you're at these parks, and, and and you have a breakdown. There's just so many people that's willing to drop what they're doing and come help, do what they can to offer help, uh, loan you tools, parts, just whatever um, that. You know, once we got into racing, uh, one of my very first races with the that chassis, I blew a belt. Uh, John Lacroix came to me like the snap of your fingers, and was offering to to get me a belt and, and give me tools, stuff like that. And it's you know, it's just a shock that you know that that a, uh, an opponent would uh, you know come offer what whatever they could to help you you know, back, back in the race. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you this too, that, um, everyone I've interviewed so far has said the exact same thing. Um, they, it seems that everybody feels that way and, uh, everyone seems to admire each other and there's a, there's a really healthy level of respect and, uh, especially this sport, you know, in general or, or our sport in general, but, uh, especially in the pro rock and the, uh, the Southern racing league. Um, we just, I don't know. You can see it from a distance whenever you're watching the racers, and I think that that's something really special about the race leagues. Right. But, Dan, that's pretty much all I had for you. Do you have anything else you want to talk about or anything like that? Yeah, um, you know, pretty much just wanted to, to thank all my, my sponsors. Um, 
you know, I've got uh, Rock Life Off Road, Bryant Dunnigan, those guys. They they always go in uh, whatever I need. You know, they're pretty much the go-to guys for UTV accessories and uh, you know some OEM parts. Uh, you know, RCV Performance. Those guys super good to me. Any questions I have, any problems I have, they're always on spot. Um, you know, James Shelley with Performance Side by Side Bushings. Uh, to me, that is a product that just goes overlooked that a lot of people uh, on social media, they talk about, you know, there's other people out there that do, uh, you know, offer similar products. But I'd actually heard uh, a story from uh, a guy that knows James and Crystal that he started designing the, the side-by-side bushings. And he called a guy that he was trying to, to get parts from. Well, the guy told him that, you know, it'd be a couple of weeks before he had these parts in, but he said he had some that was, uh, you know, from overseas mm-hmm. that he could get him in just a matter of days. And he actually shut down until he could get made in America parts to put back into his, his product. That's amazing. So that, you know, to, to hear that, you know, that, um, you know, that's just amazing that somebody would, would do that. And, and, and some of these companies and, and products that are on the market today, it's, uh, you know, whatever I can get my hands on cheap to pump out, make make bread for the table, you know, uh, people are doing it. But, you know, then you have guys like that just stand up, and, uh, you know, hey, I'm not going to pump this product out until I can say that it's made in America. Yeah, I absolutely uh, love that. And then, uh, you know, Ground Pounder, I, I would not be – uh, as far along in my racing career as I am now without the help of those guys. Um, Dave Newfield with Complete UTV Performance, he, he pretty much saved the show. Um, Dustin Stubbs with Sinister Fab Works, he's, he's jumped in. And anything I need, he's always dropped what he's doing to help me out. If it was, uh, you know, anything from cutting tabs to uh, welding up, uh, you know, certain products and stuff for me. Um, then uh, Todd Keller with Keller Performance, he he jumped on the uh, the bandwagon this year, and we're actually uh, in the works with him on some products. And then uh, you know Rick Nicholson with uh, he's an independent Amsoil dealer. He's uh, been helping us out and getting us some some products to run and test out this year as well. Cool man, that sounds great. Uh, uh, anyone else you want to give a shout out to? Um. I would probably get in trouble if I didn't mention the help <laughs> from uh, my better half. She's uh, pretty much the backbone of the operation. She uh, does anything from navigating to tell me when when it's time to, to stop for snacks on the highway. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, that's always good to hear. I think that, that having your family support behind racing is the only way that you can uh, not only be successful, but... That's the only way that you can even really get the job done. Right. So, uh, if that's everything, though, uh, Dan, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I just want to say thanks again for being our very first podcast for Racing on the Rocks. And uh, it's been nothing but good times talking to you. Uh, I'm excited for your race season. I'm excited for your success that I know that's coming. And uh, most importantly, that success is going to start this weekend at Dirty Turtle. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on that podium. Well, we, we certainly hope to, and I, you know, I appreciate 
uh, everything you've done, all that you can do to help us out. And, uh, I'd like for everybody to try to go follow us on Instagram on Dan Carter Racing. Um, basically, a uh, quick story: what we did last year, uh, we went to these events and, and threw out T-shirts and uh, huggers, stuff like that. Um, we did a little uh, little deal where we would ask people to to tag us at Dan Carter Racing Swag. Mm-hmm. On, like the hashtag on, on Instagram. So at the end of the year, what we did is we got with David Uptane and uh, bought a ticket in the Razor Life giveaway. Yeah. And we gave it to uh, the winner was Chris Luttrell. Um, so we, we entered him to, to win a side-by-side, which unfortunately somebody else won it. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure if he would have won it, he would have been grinning ear to ear. So we're going to look forward to doing that again this year also. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll start uh, I'll start I'll start tagging some pictures and uh, I'm gonna try to get my my name in that hat because uh, uh, an opportunity to win a side by side is uh, something that's unheard of. So uh, I know your fans appreciate that and I know they've appreciated hearing from you. Oh yeah. All right. Well, Dan, uh, that's gonna wrap this up. And uh, again, thanks for joining us. Thanks, sir. All right.